Pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. Authority of a belief. I'm teaching out of Brother Hagen's book. And uh, I'll tell you, it's been a blessing to me just studying it, preparing some of these lessons. Some people think it's easy to uh, just teach out of a book, but there's more to it than that. You're not just teaching out of a book. Because God is speaking to you while you're studying it. God's speaking to you while you're preaching it. And you're trying to stay with the outline that you have. And I mean, oh, this building God interject something. Amen. Yes. Amen. Yes. And uh, a lot of people say, why well, teach out of a book at all? Well, you know, Brother Hagen had over 60 years in the ministry, and I don't want to have to go through the things that he went through to learn yes. the things that he learned, so I'm just going to see what he might do. Amen. Yes. Hallelujah. So we're going to pick up what we left off what, about three weeks ago, wasn't it? Before... Uh, Pastor Ed and I had that time off. Brother Darrell stepped in for us, praise the Lord. But anyway, according to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, the Bible says that Satan is the prince and the power of the air. And that word air is translated also as atmosphere. He's the prince and the power of the atmosphere. And that atmosphere is just above our heads. There's three heavens or three atmospheres. One is the atmosphere above our head, it's the air that we breathe. And then there's another atmosphere above that, it's called outer space. That's the second atmosphere, the second heaven, as Paul refers to it. And then there's a third atmosphere, or a third heaven, and that's where God dwells. That's where heaven actually is. And so uh, Satan is confined to this atmosphere. He's confined to working in this area. He's the prince and power of this air. And so... Uh, He's the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God's word. Amen. He, he's at work in their lives and he's exercising authority, authority over the power of the air. In other words, he influences and he wants to continue to influence people, influence the children of disobedience. And when the believer, those that are obedient to God, those that are born again or saved or whatever you want to call it, the doers of the word of God. They interfere with Satan's kingdom by exercising their spiritual authority over it, over him, and he doesn't like it. He don't want you to learn what you've been learning these last few weeks, and that is your authority as a believer and your authority over all evil powers, evil influences, and the authority that you have over even your own life. Amen. Tonight we're going to talk a little bit about demons and uh you know, we're not going to get too deep into it. People don't like to talk about demons usually. And a lot of people deny their existence. But demons do exist. Uh, it's nothing like the movies. I, I've never seen anybody's head spin around in a green puke or anything like that. Uh, but there is demonic influence. Those third of the angels that fell from heaven rebelled against God and fell from heaven or were kicked out of heaven along with the devil. Uh, they have become evil spirits, and of course they work for Satan. And uh, they try to get us to do things, they try to influence our lives. Uh, and a lot of times people think that 
demons are messing with them, and it's usually just their flesh messing with them. Uh, demons are really busy trying to influence world leaders and things like that, people with influence, that have spheres of influence. And uh, usually if the devil wants to mess with you, like I said before, he'll send a little two-foot-tall, green-eyed, snotty-nosed devil to mess with you. Amen, that's all it takes. But usually he just gets you to wrestle with your flesh. He gets your flesh to mess with you, and he don't have to bother with you. Yes. The flesh will lead you straight all by itself. And the devil's persistent. I'm not giving him any glory, but, you know, if he can't get you in one area or you get the victory over him in one area and take authority over that area and he can't get to you in that area anymore, you've overcome that thing that he had you influenced with, then he'll try another area. And he'll keep on trying and trying. He's persistent over cuss. Amen? Amen. So, uh, uh, you're privileged. I call us privileged spiritual position that we're seated in heavenly places with Christ. We're seated at the right hand of Christ. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And that represents a place of authority. And because of that position, Satan don't like you. And he don't want you to know that you have authority over him and you have authority over your life. And you might be thinking, well, if I just leave him alone, then what? Leave me alone? <laughs> no, that ain't not work. He's not going to leave you alone. Amen. Right. Amen. He's going to continue doing his job. Uh, so don't fool yourself. He doesn't play fair and he plays for keeps. Amen. It's not a game to him. And the devil realizes he can't hold you in bondage or, or someone who knows and walks in the authority that Christ has given us. He, he knows that he can't hold you in bondage. A lot of times he can't even influence you because you're not going to listen to him. You're going to take authority over him. You're going to resist him. And he's going to have to flee from you. And uh, so we know that he is a defeated foe. Amen? Yeah. He's already been defeated. And, you know, he, he goes about as a roaring lion. He's not a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But when he gets a hold of somebody, you find out he ain't got no teeth. <laughs> Amen. 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 He's as a roaring lion. And uh, we need to keep him under our feet. And furthermore, you'll realize and you have to be convinced that no work of the enemy can prevail against you. This is a condition that we have to uh, instill into ourselves. It's something that we have to meditate on until we get the realization of it. Because uh, ever since we're born and being raised as a little child, uh, we've been taught the ways of the world. The prince of the power of the air had us walking a course that he's laid out for us. And uh, we learned things along the way. And one of the things we learned is to be in fear. We're always in fear of something. He, he, he's a master at causing fear to come into people's hearts and come into people's lives. And uh, if he can get fear to rule over you, he knows you'll never exercise your authority over him because you'd be too, too afraid to even try it. And, uh, especially when you try to carry out the will of God in your life. And if believers take advantage of the spiritual armor that God has, has uh, provided for us, as a matter of fact, we're going to look at it. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to look at the spiritual armor of God. He's got a uniform for us to wear. A lot of us don't wear it. A lot of us only wear it in part. But we need to put on the whole armor of God. We need to wear the whole outfit. 
And if uh, we'll take advantage of the spiritual armor that he's provided for us, then there's no way the enemy will ever defeat us. And I don't believe that anything of the enemy should be able to defeat those who are members of the body of Christ, especially since we have authority over them, especially since God gave us this armor to wear. But we've got to continually be dressed in this armor. We have to always be on guard and ready. And uh, the Holy Spirit prayed through, the Paul, through Paul that the eyes of the people would be open to know this full provision of God. And we, we started out with that prayer, you know. Uh, I pray that you, the Lord of our the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, will give unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, the eyes of our understanding being enlightened. Why? That we may know. Know what? The fullness of what God's about to talk about, the fullness of God's revelation. The, the, and then he starts talking about the armor in chapter 6. In verse 10, he says, Finally, uh, I said all of that to get to this, and finally, my brethren and my sister, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So it's not our might that we have to be strong in, it's the power of his might. He says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the devices of the devil for we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness or wicked spirits in high places prince and the power of the air and uh, you know we since we're little children we've been taught to fight everything in the flesh, you know. Uh, back when I was growing up as a kid, we, you know, meet somebody after school and we'd duke it out fist to fist, you know. Nowadays you can get shot, stabbed, drive-bys, but back then we used to just fight, just roll around on the ground and fight, you know. And uh, of course it's different now, but that's the way we were taught to fight our battles. You know, we didn't realize what's behind it or what causes it or the influences that we have. We just going to duke it out, you know. Then he says in verse 13, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. Again, he says that. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day. I mean, those we're standing in an evil day right now. Having done all to stand, if you put on the whole armor of God, you'll be standing. Amen. He says, stand, therefore. So after you've done all to stand, everything after you've done everything that you're supposed to do in the flesh, and then he says, then you can stand and let me do my part. But you can't stand until you've done everything that you could possibly do. Amen? Amen. You know, we pray to, uh, well, we pray for all kinds of things. Pray to lose weight. But how many know you're just praying in vain if you ain't willing to... Push yourself away from the table once in a while, right? <laughs> so uh, when I'm pushing myself away from the table, I'm eating right, I'm exercising, I'm doing everything that I can, and I'm still not losing weight, now I can stand and ask God to help me. Amen. Amen. Amen? But until I do that, I ain't got no business asking God to do anything for me. That's right. Amen. 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 So then he says, stand there for having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Now he's talking about the, the armor. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. 
above all. What's that mean? That means above everything I just said, above all the other things that I said, he says, take the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Not one fiery dart should get through your body, your soul, or your mind. Why? Because you have the shield of faith. Amen? The devil fires the dart, you hold up the, the shield of faith. And then he said, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And so this armor, the different parts of it symbolize different spiritual truths that belongs to the believer. And wearing the armor, the believer is protected and unhampered in his ministry of authority. All we need to be concerned with is keeping our armor right and in good working order and well secured. So let's take a closer look at the armor. First, he talked about a girdle of truth, which represents having a clear, revelated understanding of God's word. That's what the girdle of truth is, is having an understanding of God's word. And that's what Paul prayed for us in that Ephesians prayer. It's like a soldier's belt. It holds the rest of the armor in place and supports his weaponry. Back then it was the Romans, they had a belt and they hung their sword on, on the belt and they hung their knife on the belt and stuff like that. Now, uh, nowadays it would be a weapon of some type or a pistol of some type and uh, different apparatuses that, you know, the cops have that belt that holds their uh, the taser thing, holds their gun, holds their ammunition, holds their uh, pepper spray, holds all of their offensive weapons. And so that's what it's like. It's a soldier's belt and it keeps the rest of the armor in place. Second is the breastplate of righteousness. And this has a twofold explanation. Jesus, number one, is our righteousness and we have to put him on first. It's not putting our righteousness on, it's putting on his righteousness. Amen. We've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. We've been made the righteousness. God made us righteous through Jesus Christ. It's nothing that we could have did. It's not through our works. It's through the work that Jesus did. So we put on his righteousness. And then third, and it also shows our obedience to the word of God. That's the other, the second thing. So first it shows that Jesus is our righteousness, and then it represents and shows our obedience to the word of God. And then third, our feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And this is a faithful ministry proclaiming the word of God. That's what it's talking about. It's a ministry that you have. Uh, Paul calls us all having a ministry of reconciliation. It's your ministry to go out and preach the gospel of peace and tell people that God's not mad at them, that God loves them, and that God forgives them. Amen? Amen. And so uh, the fourth is the shield of faith. And a shield is a covering for the entire body. Uh, I know Captain America and Wonder Woman, they got these shields, they're not very good. But the Romans had a shield that was almost as tall as them. As a matter of fact, when they knelt down, they could hide their entire body behind the shield. That's a big, a big shield. And this is what we have to picture as the shield of faith. Uh, because it has to be big enough to cover us completely, cover our entire body. And this represents our complete safety under the blood of Christ. And uh, where there's the power of the enemy can't even penetrate. And then fifth is the helmet of salvation. 
These are the things we've got to put on every morning as a believer. The helmet of salvation. And it's referred to in 1 Thessalonians 5.8 as the hope of salvation. So the hope of salvation is the only helmet that's able to protect uh, the head in these days of turning from the truth. Uh, six is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And that's the only offensive weapon that we have is the word of God, the sword of the spirit. Yes. And uh, it shows that the word of God is to be used offensively. And in Revelation 1.16, it describes Jesus as holding seven stars in his right hand, which was the seven pastors of the seven churches in Revelation. And a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth or proceeded forth out of his mouth. And, of course, he didn't have a, a sharp double-edged sword coming out of his mouth. It represented the word of God coming out of his mouth, speaking the word of God. So when you start wielding your sword, you're simply speaking the word of God, speaking the truth. Amen. And when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, 40 days and 40 nights, he was in the wilderness to be tempted, tested, and tried of the devil. And the first temptation, he came to him and said, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Because he knew Jesus had been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. He knew he'd be hungry. So he said, if you're the son of God, shouldn't be no big deal for you to turn these stones into bread. And Jesus took out the sword of the spirit. And he says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so he used his offensive weapon. He used the sword to defeat the enemy. And then, of course, he had another temptation, a third temptation. And these temptations were just examples of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. But he had many, many, many more temptations in the wilderness because he was tempted, tested, and tried for 40 days and 40 nights. And I know the devil was relentless. And then finally, the Bible says that the, that the devil departed him for a season. So he was just going to leave, give him a little reprieve, and he'd be back. And of course, angels came ministered to Jesus and uh, gave him some food, got his strength back, got him back on the road again. And of course, the devil comes right back again. And that's the way it is with us. Amen? It would be wonderful if we could use the sword of the Spirit one time and defeat him forever, but we can't. He's going to keep coming back. I've seen a meme on Facebook. I don't remember exactly what it said, but it just said it was this. It had a picture of a uh, like a Roman soldier with a helmet and a face shield and all the armor on and the big shield and a sword in his hand. And it said, the forecast is evil, dress appropriately. I thought that was oh, really cool well. meme. You know? <laughs> but here's something we have to understand. Though we have authority over demon spirits, we don't have authority over other people's wills and other people's lives. Yes. Unless, for example, they're your children they're uh, part of your responsibility as a parent or a guardian or something. If you're responsible for that person, then you have authority over them. Amen? Amen? And you could exercise the same authority that you exercise in your life, who you definitely have authority over, and you could exercise the same authority in their life. Amen? Amen. But if you're not responsible for them, you don't have no business uh, speaking for them, uh, uh, then they're going to do what they want. And you really can't do anything about it. Amen? Amen? And so we have to understand that we miss it a lot of times in thinking that we 
do have authority over people's wills and that, but we don't. If you if you try to exercise authority over somebody's will, it's also called witchcraft, because that's what witchcraft does. Is they break things over you that you don't want to do. Amen. And so uh, we miss that sometimes. And God never violates our will. If He did, He'd make you come to church every time the doors open and you didn't pay your tithes, right? He don't violate our will. And so we can't expect to violate other people's wills. A lot of times we just need to mind our own business and pray quietly. Amen? And you know, the, the old saying, the harder you hit a nail, the further in it goes, right? And sometimes that's what we do with people. You know, we just keep pounding on them, pounding on them. We think we're reaching them, but we're not. We're just driving them in deeper and deeper. So sometimes we just need to pray and leave them alone. Well, moving right along. <laughs> but we do have authority over demons, demon spirits, devils, whatever you want to call them, and all their influences. We have authority over influence. And, and, and that's mostly what a devil does, is try to influence you into doing something. He doesn't have any power over you. He can't make you do it. Remember Jesus, when he was uh, in the temptation where... The devil took him up to the high pinnacle of the temple and he said, cast yourself down, for it is written, he'll give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their arms they shall bear thee up, lest at any time you dash your foot against the stone. Well, if he could have threw him off the temple, he would have, but he tried to influence him, challenged him, tried to get him to prove he was the son of God, because he said, it's written, uh, if you throw yourself, cast yourself down, the angels will come and pick you up. That'll prove that you're God. And, and Jesus uh, more or less told him, I don't have to prove anything, especially to you. Right. And, and so, but in the temptations, uh, the devil was suggesting, he was trying to influence, he was trying to talk Jesus into doing things because he couldn't do anything to him. And he can't do anything to you that you don't allow him to do. That's right. You have to give him permission to do anything in your life. And we don't have to do that because we've got authority over them. Uh, but we can't always control them when it comes to other people. No matter how much we love them and how much we care for them, uh, when that other person's will comes into play, we're out of it. We can't do anything. You can try to talk to them. You can try to influence them. But you can't make them do anything. I remember in the early days of our ministry, Pastor Ed and I, my wife, we prayed for a lot of people who were being influenced by evil spirits. And uh, we even prayed for some and cast the devil out of a couple. Uh, I'm talking, you know, we've been in it for 30-something years. And I'm talking about maybe two times we were involved in a real deliverance where we cast the devil out of a person. And I'll tell you right now, we wouldn't do that unless it was a matter of life and death. We'd have to know it was a matter of life and death, or, or we wouldn't even attempt to cast the devil out. Uh, we would try to minister to them. We would pray for them. but And I'll show you why here in a few minutes when we get to it. But uh, a lot of times, it's not always just casting the devil out. I mean, we oversimplify things sometimes. Uh, but... Uh, we were involved in a couple of deliverances in a, in a church that had pews, and one of the guys we were attempting uh, to deliver, and we weren't the head of it, we were just helpers in the deliverance. 
And that guy pulled pews clean out of the floor. They were bolted down in four different places, you know, just supernatural strength. And uh, so you need to know what you're doing, number one. You also need to know your authority. You have to know that you have authority. But I also know another thing. If they don't want the spirit to go, it don't have to go. And it don't go. And I've heard stories of people that, well, we prayed to cast the devil out and it didn't leave. I said, then either God's a liar or that guy didn't want that devil to leave. Amen? Because they have to obey the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. But, you know, sometimes you think that, you know, we, did we pray the right prayer? Did we say the right thing? You know, did we did we have a nice, enough faith? Did we use the right tone of voice? You know, and, and yes, them things have something to do with because your tone of voice will indicate how much you believe in that authority you have because if you really believe in your authority you'll speak with an authoritative voice you know and you won't be saying come out of him in the name of jesus please no you would command him come out in jesus name and believe it to happen amen, amen. amen. and so uh we've seen it from one end of the spectrum to the other and uh i can tell you a couple stories that you know where we uh delivered a home one time and uh just anointed the home nothing spectacular just went through the house driving spirits out anointing it and cleaning the blood of jesus and got to the outward perimeter and they had this dog that was real friendly and when we got to the outer edge of the perimeter the dog's hair was standing on his back because you know in in your imagination and mind as you're doing this you're actually uh, seeing in your with your spiritual eyes the blood of Jesus being sprinkled, the anointing being applied, and so we got to this point in the yard where it was like driving them, hurting them off the property, so to speak, and uh, that was close to the dog's house, and that dog just he just went like he was going to eat us up, and uh, I knew it was uh, the influence of a spiritual uh, a demon, and. Uh, so I just had to rebuke fear and I went up to the dog and I just pointed to him and went up to him and I put my hand on his head and he started wagging his tail, his hair went down and everything. Because he was a really friendly dog, I knew the dog. Uh, his worst, the worst thing he'd do is get mud on you because he'd just jump on you, you know, he loved everybody. And so uh, it sounds crazy, but these things are real. And sometimes they have to be dealt with. But uh, sometimes, uh, as we're ministering to people and praying for people, not just to have demons uh, cast out or uh, because of the influence of demons, but we also did it for, we pray for people's healings. And sometimes healing or sicknesses and diseases are caused by spirits and that. So we would just be praying for people when we have some crazy manifestations and stuff. But uh, a lot of times, if they didn't, get delivered, did get healed, a lot of times it's because uh, they didn't want that spirit to leave. Now, I know that's hard to believe, but even in Jesus' ministry, there were times when he asked somebody, you know, do you want to walk? What do you want me to do? Because he's trying to get permission to pray for them. Because without the permission, he would have no authority over them. And so you have to get somebody in agreement with you. And, and I know it sounds crazy, but... Uh, the only other conclusion would be that God's word doesn't work. And we know that's not true. God's word always works. Amen? Amen. 
Or maybe the Spirit was more powerful than the Holy Spirit. We know that's not true either, right? But there were times we would even question God about it because those people actually asked for prayer or asked to be delivered of something, you know? And, and nothing, nothing terrible, you know, sometimes they just wanted to be delivered of bad habits, you know, maybe smoking or drinking or uh, maybe uh, laying their eyeballs on things they shouldn't be laying their eyeballs on, you know, and they'd ask for prayer and they would want to be delivered and we thought, well, God, we know they wanted to be delivered. We know that they asked us, which gives us authority to pray for them. But I seen him a week later, he still has the same problem. And so it, it caused you to wonder, it caused you to ask questions and stuff. And uh, But usually if someone gives you permission to pray for them, then you have the authority to exercise uh, over whatever it is that's bothering them. I don't want to get too specific, but... You don't want you have the, the authority to exercise over them because they gave you permission to, you know. And if they truly want to be free, then there's no devil in hell, no sickness, no nothing that could uh, even come close to resisting the word of God. Amen. And so if if they go back to it and you find them a week later and you find out they're right back doing the same things that you prayed and asked God to set them free from is because they chose to go back. Amen? And uh, if that's the case, then you're wasting your time because uh, the Holy Spirit isn't going to violate their will. So sometimes you just have to walk off and leave people doing what they want to do and doing it the way they want to do it. If they want to live in sin, they can't. Even God will live and do that. Amen? If they want to go to hell, even God will live and go to hell. He won't violate their will. That's how much he respects it. Uh, and as long as they don't want to be free, there's nothing you can do to help. Just pray. Brother Hagin said this, you can't go around exercising authority over the devil and somebody else. You've got authority over your own life and with your own family, but you can't cast the devil out of everything you meet on the street. Because just like you, they have authority over their own lives. And if they wanted it to go, especially if they're a believer, if they wanted it to go, they can get it to go. And when people genuinely want help, or when their devil is trying to manifest itself in a certain area, whatever it is, uh, in a place where you have authority, then that's another story. Uh, in the book of Acts, chapter 16, there was a, a girl that was possessed, a, a young lady, because it said it was a damsel, which means a young woman, had a spirit of divination that followed Paul and Silas around Philippi for many days when he was on the second missionary journey. And in Acts 16 and 16, it says, And it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed. Now, she wouldn't be influenced. She was possessed with the spirit of divination, uh, a fortune-telling spirit, a soothsayer, which brought her masters much gain by her soothsaying. In other words, she was a fortune-teller for sale. She would tell fortunes for money, and she was making her masters rich. She was a slave girl to, these, to her masters, and she's making them rich. And she followed Paul and cries saying, 
These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation, and this did she many days. So you would be wondering, why didn't Paul pass her out, cast that devil out on the first day? Well, you know, there's a lot of speculation as to why he didn't, but, you know, when somebody is following you and speaking the truth, it's kind of hard to discern a spirit like that. I mean, they might not have thought it was a devil because she was speaking the truth. These men are of God, and they're preaching salvation. They're showing us the way to get saved. And she did this many days, but then it says, Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, not the little girl, he said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And he came out in the selfsame hour. So I don't know if it came out instantly, but within that hour, that spirit came out and departed from her. And then uh, their, her masters didn't like that because they said, there goes our, our money, there goes our living. You know, what we're going to do now, she can't tell fortunes anymore. And so they got him in trouble, got him locked up, all this stuff. It's another story, but... You know, there, there's a lot of speculation as to why Paul allowed that spirit to follow them around for several days, like the Bible says, rather than deal with it on the first day. And like I said, she was speaking the truth, and it's hard to discern when somebody's speaking the truth. I mean, if she was telling lies and saying things that the Bible said that it didn't say, it would be easy to tell. Uh, you wouldn't even need a spirit of discernment, but for this one, you had to have a spirit of discernment. And, and Brother Hayden said that Paul had to wait for the manifestation of the Spirit. He had to wait until the Spirit of God gave him discerning of spirits. And once he did, he recognized it immediately and he cast it out. So, you, you know, you can uh, run the devil away from you or your house anytime. Even if you think it's a devil. It don't even have to have anything to do with spirits. Somebody comes to my house and does something I don't approve of, I'm going to ask them to leave. Amen. Why? My house, my rules. Right. Amen. Amen. And you can ask my grandkids, you know, when they think that, well, I'm 18 now, I can do what I want. Not much to live in my house. Right. And their dad is the same way. I raised their dad the same way, you know. Uh, you can be 37 years old. If you're still living in my house, it's my rules. And if you don't like it, you get out and you get your own house and you make your own rules. Right. Amen. Yeah. And so uh, if something's going on in your house, you have complete authority over that, whether it's in the flesh or in the spirit or any other thing. And, and so you have the same authority over any demon spirits or influences that could be going on in your house just as well. So, uh, but when you get away from your domain, or the things that you have dominion over, your house, your rules don't apply when you're not in your house. And, uh, uh, or over the things that you have dominion over. And the evil spirits have a right to be in some places. Therefore, you don't have authority over them in certain places. Amen? Amen. So, you know, uh, there's ministries to see a devil behind every bush, and they have, there's deliverance ministries, and you know everybody's got a devil. So come to this service, and I'm gonna give you a bag to puke in, and before the service is over, you're gonna puke that devil up. You know everybody got one. So it's just silliness, amen. But that's the reason Paul had to wait many days to deliver that girl, and, and he didn't command this spirit to leave her the first day because maybe I'm just saying this. 
And maybe he wasn't sure until he got the spirit of discernment and the spirit told him that's an evil spirit, cast it out. And that's when he did. But when he spoke to it, it came out. It didn't have a choice. Uh, and why, you know, if he wasn't in his own home, his own domain, is because she was messing with his stuff. She was messing with his ministry, and that gave him authority to protect that. So the Bible says concerning the ministry of Jesus that he cast out spirits with his word. And then it also says he cast them out by the spirit of God. In one place it says he cast them out by the finger of God did he cast out spirits. In other words, it's getting a little flick. But in the 20th chapter of Matthew, the Pharisees are accusing Jesus of casting out demons by Beelzebub, which, is, which means the prince of the devil. In other words, they said, the only reason you got authority over devils is because you're a devil yourself. Mm -mm -mm. But Jesus said, if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come unto you. So he proved to them that it was being done by the Spirit of God. But we know from the Word that we have spiritual authority, but we have to just depend on the Holy Spirit. He's the one who's going to cast them out. Amen? We ain't casting nothing out. We're speaking the word, and the, the word is, is activating the Holy Spirit, and he's doing the casting out. He's doing the driving out, and we can't do it by ourselves. We need the word, and we need the spirit to do it. We speak the word, and the spirit does the casting out. But anytime the devil attacks me or attacks you, then we have authority over him because we have authority over our own life. And I mentioned earlier that sometimes, you know, uh, it's flesh rather than it's a spirit. And, uh, you know, the devil don't have to send a spirit to deal with us or influence us. Our flesh is controlling us, and he's figured that's good enough that their flesh is keeping them in enough trouble with God. I don't have to do anything. But, you know, this type of authority that I'm talking about tonight is the same authority that you have over your flesh. This is your body. Nobody has authority over it but you. That's right. You tell them what to eat, what not to eat. You tell them when to rest, when to get up, when to go to work, when to come home, when to turn the television on and off. This is your body. Yes. And you tell it what to do. You're in control of it. This is your mind. You tell your mind what to think on and what not to think on. These are your eyes. You control your eyes. Tell them what you're going to look at and what you're not going to look at. These are your feet. Your feet. You tell them where they're going to go and where they're not going to go. Amen? Right, amen. This is your mouth. You tell them what to say and when to keep, keep shut. You're in control of your own body and you're in control of your own life. It doesn't always have to be a spiritual influence. Uh, it just has to be the flesh wanting something that it shouldn't have. Or doing something that it shouldn't do. And so you take control of it. You take authority over it. And, you know, sometimes we think we have a cast, we have to cast out a spirit or something that's influencing us. And all it is is you having to discipline your unruly flesh and bring your flesh into line with the Word of God. Bring your mind into line with the Word of God. So, you know, we can't make excuses. Pastor Ed told this story before I jokingly, you know, that I say the devil made me do it. And she said, devil can't make you do nothing. 
That's right. You know? And that's the truth. The devil can't make you do anything. He'll try to influence you and talk you into doing something. Get your little flesh interested in it. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, or the pride of life. If I do this, it's going to make, it's going to give me position. It's going to give me stature. Uh, people are going to be impressed by my influence and my great majesty. And so that appeals to your pride. And that's what the devil gets you to do things with. And same thing with your eyes. It looks good. He said that that fruit was pleasant to the eyes. In other words, that fruit looked good. And then she said that, you know, she, her flesh was saying it, it tastes good too. And uh, the devil says, yeah, and if you eat it, God knows that you'll be as wise as he is. And so he appealed to her pride, appealed to her eyes, appealed to her flesh, and he talked her into, he influenced her enough and talked her into taking a bite out of that piece of fruit, whatever it was. And that's, that's the same the same thing he used on her, he has to use on us. He can't force us to do anything. He can't throw you off the pinnacle of the temple. He can't make you turn stones into bread. He's going to try to talk you into it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for the word. Thank you for the revelation that we have authority over the things that influence our life. We have authority not only, the, only over the things that influence us, but we have authority over our unruly flesh. And just like a spoiled child, sometimes our flesh needs to be disciplined and brought into subjection to our spirit, which is in connection with your spirit. And we need to do what the Word tells us to do and discipline our flesh to the place where we cause it to obey the things of God. So we thank you that we have this type of authority over every area in our life. And we're going to begin to exercise it like we should. And we're going to start walking according to the course that you've set before us, not the course that the prince of the power of the air has set before us anymore. In Jesus' name. God, I ask you to touch and heal each and every one within the sound of my voice. I would love nothing better than to empty, evacuate every hospital, heal everybody in every hospital. But we know we can't do that, Lord. But I ask you to heal everyone that would receive it tonight in Jesus' name. I don't care if it's COVID or any other kind of stinking disease that the devil has drummed up. Whatever it is, God, I pray that you heal them from the top of their heads to the soles of their feet. Drive that sickness from their body in yes. Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you, Facebook family. Glad you could join us tonight. God bless you. We'll see you on Sunday morning about 11 o'clock. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.